welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers. My name is Mike Burge, the annoying voice inside your ears, as always. And today we are doing our second part of breaking into Christopher Nolan's little movies that he made in between the Bat Flicks. Uh, I did Prestige with um, young Robert Bebe Anderson uh, a few weeks back. And we just got done doing The Dark Knight over on Batarang with the... Fellow Bat Boys, Jack Kalajewski, Jeremy Kalajewski, and Robert Anderson again. And so that means we are now about to hit uh, the big Nolan movie. The Dark Knight was technically the biggest movie that he's probably ever going to make or anybody ever is going to make in the next coming years. But this was a movie where the studio was like, you know, I think that they were kind of like, we'll give you this if you come back and make another Batman. So pretty much you can do whatever you want. Uh, it was an idea that Christopher Nolan had been kind of tossing around for about 10 years. It is the movie Deception. That's it. It's a good one. It's Deception. That's the name of the movie. No, I'm just kidding. It's Inception. That bit's not going to get old. Nope, that's not going to get old at all. For us or the listener. So, let me introduce who I'm with today. I am joined by... Story Screen's own wry wit, personified, built into a body, unplugged, and ready to fuck. Wow. Jack Kalajewski. Hey. That's uh that's an intro. That's an intro. That's a fucking intro. Thank you. Hey, hello. Yes. Inception. Bomb. He's wearing a, a beautiful cheetah, white cheetah yeah. blanket as well. I wish I'm cozy. That's a great, that's that's a very good blanket. Thank that's you. a personal favorite of yeah, mine as well. Yeah, I like the, it's kind of like glittery. It's got a good pattern on it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you look like a, like a New Jersey housewife. I am, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Some you might not know about me. <laughs> and uh, also throw, today. Throw each other's faces. <laughs> What's that? We can throw our drinks in each other's faces. Well, and we'll see. If we wanted to, yeah. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to keep this first one. Well, and this other voice that I have here is a good friend of mine. Doesn't know jack shit about movies at all, but likes to think that he does. Uh, what, what's your name again? Cabot Bramhall. Cabot Bramhall? Bramhall. Okay. Uh, we've been friends for... Two weeks. Two weeks about. Officially. Okay. I thought it was a little bit longer, but. Well, time moves differently. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) No, we've been friends for a couple years. Yeah. And I told you that I was doing an Inception podcast. And you said, I fucking hate Inception. Well, yeah. And then I was like, well, then you should come on (laughs) because that's, this would be like a good point counterpoint. It's not entirely true. I, well, I could tell. It's yeah, I'm conflicted about it. It's a right. sweet movie. It was like puberty. It's like it sucks, but then your dick gets bigger and it's kind of cool. <laughs> Wait, what? Like with puberty? Like, yeah, when you hit just, puberty, it's just a, I'm conflicted about Jersey, it. Because, Jersey like, Housewives don't hit puberty. I'm not sure why. When you asked me to do it, why I didn't like Inception. It has all the elements of a movie that I'd love. They would at least get the benefit of the doubt. It's a movie that leaves a bad taste, I think, in a lot of people's mouths when, like, they haven't seen it for a while. They go, uh-huh. oh, Inception. Uh-huh. Eh. And then when you kind of read, like, that's kind of the whole point yeah, of this podcast there's a lot of buzz about it, right too. That, before, like... we, before we break into it, though, let's introduce the drinks, because I'm always terribly bad at that, because I just want to start talking about the movie. But on Overdrinkers, we always, it's uh, talking about a movie or movies amongst friends, and we do it over drinks, hence 
over drinkers. And today I have supplied us with a little uh, cocktail called uh, Tequila Boom Boom because tequila is a narcotic. And it's got 7-Up, Grenadine, Simple Syrup, Lime Juice, and an Ice Cube. And it's in a glass. And we're about to drink it. Cheers, guys. Um, that's easier than using the phone. Yeah, it is. It's more fun also. That's very delicious. It's really good. I, I hate tequila mm-hmm. more than any other alcoholic beverage. That's all right. That's a very good tequila that's pretty that's good. in there. Yeah, mm. I'm sure. There's no real good tequila. There's only no, there's a good one. I put this on rocks there's and expensive. just like, drink it. I think it is expensive. Patron? No. It's it, like... Wasn't that Patron? It's like, no, it's in a Patron bottle because I got them in a he bunch of... You put it in a decanter. Li- no, no, us. I got them in a bunch of little tiny bottles that were meant to be like outsourced and, and like given to people as samples. Like, try this new like yeah, top shelf tequila. What he's trying to say is he robbed an airplane mm-hmm. and now he's poured... It took forever, mm-hmm. but he put 50 small tiny bottles. I thought it was going to take forever and it did. Cool. I have a decanter. I haven't put anything in it. Glad the viewers know that now. Great. What's a what's a decanter for I got those? It. My that... sister gave it to me for my birthday. It's really cool. What's a decanter for those that don't know what a decanter is? It's like a. It's a... I, hey, listen. Our our listeners are cultured. You think they, they know? know what yeah. A, yeah. We're pouring... making one listen. audience member just right now be like, yeah, I fucking know what a decanter they're, is. They're, they're pouring their single malt how scotch. Would, I'm, right I'm more curious how you would. It's like a, word the definition. It's a crystal like ewer, like a. <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> oh, because you use a new vocab word. <laughs> Oh yeah, Crystal Ewer, obviously. Uh, of course, That's right, right. And does it have like a uh, gribble gop that you put on the top of it so that nothing can get inside? It, uh, yeah, no. it does. Got a little stopper. Uh, stopper. There's, pro- there's probably a technical <laughs> term for that thing. It's a flim flam, I think. Actually, yeah. it airtight. Maybe a little rubber on the outside of it. One of those oh, pocket oh, okay. ties. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. It's what Don Draper drinks out of. That's true. This is our podcast talking talking about enemies. different glassware. Should have brought the decanter. Welcome to Glasscast. It's um, my favorite Sufjan Stevens song. Mm. Mm. What? Inception. That was a good one. Uh, all right, Inception, 2010, directed by your boy Christopher Nolan. Uh, it stars uh, actual teen heartthrob Leonardo DiCaprio. Michael Caine. And a little ma- bit of Michael Caine is in there. He, use, he shows up on set for so like a day or two. Uh, he really, but he's like playing himself in this movie. Like it's he has, he has one, two scenes, I guess. Mm-hmm. One, one, it's like two scenes. It's two scenes. Spoilers for Inception he's, he's, straight off the bat like, for those that don't know. He's the Chris Nolan, Michael Caine cherry on top. Like right. there's not, there's just like he, Chris Nolan wants to remind you he's very good friends with Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he's actually that relevant to the story, you get a little Caine in there. I love me some cane. A little bit of cane. A little bit of cane never hurts. Some of that cane sugar. Mm-hmm. Can't can't help it. So, so sweet. Wise and sweet. Uh-huh. He is. Especially in this movie. He is like the definitive, like the dad. The wise dad. It's like, what are you getting up to, Leo? What are you doing? He's a professor. What's he a professor of exactly? Uh, like, psychology, I think. Psychology? Uh, That's how I took it. He's teaching people architecture. Oh, sorry. So I'd imagine that it... Architecture. But I think it's because like they kind of do take architecture and they take this kind of psychological approach to it. And, and there is a psychological approach to architecture Did, and like how things make you feel, how they look, what they symbolize. So I think that's kind of lost in it where it's like he's literally just teaching people, I think, like archi- architecture like theory. 
Yeah. I'm not a professional on. I'm not an architect. Well, did, so I don't know exactly how they go about it, but I would imagine that they would have to do some classes where somebody would have to kind of talk a little bit more about like this is how shit is built, and more about like shit that's built. This is what it means, and this is this is how you can incorporate big, it into other things. Part of the movie when they're like psychological architecture because she draws mazes is why. He asks he her to draw a maze. He's like, right. draw me a maze. And it's really funny. The maze that she draws him to uh, to get it, like she draws him two and he's like, draw me a maze in two minutes that can't be solved in less than one. That's the whole thing. Uh, and, and she draws him two and he's like, this is shit. This is shit. This is shit. Well, because she starts she, drawing like fucking boxes. Yeah, just like, with, like, and then she's like, lines. all right. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to draw it on the circle. back of the notebook. It's a circle. And she does it. But if you pause it and look at it, it's actually unsolvable. Like, straight from the beginning? Like, you just bump into two dead ends and you can't go anywhere. Yeah, paradox. Yeah, it's paradox. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that you had to be able to solve it. He says, draw me one that's unsolvable. That you can't solve in two minutes. That you can't solve in one minute. That you can't solve in less than two minutes, minutes. yeah. Anyway, he's teaching her architecture. Did you guys the first time, maybe even for, like, when I was rewatching this again and I'd forgotten, like, Michael Caine's exact role in this, I was like, hold on, is he a dream professor? What's going on? Is Because he's like, I yeah. need your best student I mean, to do this thing. I mean, the technology exists, so he could right, be teaching Right, right. So, and they don't really specify that much how, like, openly known to the public this technology is. So it could just be like, I'm Michael Caine. It's yeah, how you do it dreams. Was, it's it's very loose. Yeah, well, it's no, right. it's it's very it's loose. Right. Michael Caine is uh, Maul's father. Is Leonardo DiCaprio's wife? Yeah, what? Maul's it's Leo's. Father. It's Leo's father-in-law. No, this that's Maul's father. Yeah, that makes him. That's the whole thing. That's why. That's he's... what a father-in-law is. It's the father of your wife. No, so you're saying that Michael Caine is Leonardo DiCaprio's dad? I'm no, father-in-law. Yeah, is his father-in-law. Okay, wait, I was just saying it's Maul's father. <laughs> yeah, when I said Leo's father-in-law. Oh, okay. I thought you were correcting me and saying that it was Maul's father-in-law no, no, because no. I've met people that thought that Michael Caine was Leo's dad. Because they never really, they really outwardly, say. but like from the connection where it's like he's no, talking to the it. mom. They, it's say, like, it. they, say, they say something. It's like in a little father. tiny line. Mm-hmm. Um, like, can I visit my father-in-law or something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, uh, and he, and Maul was going to school at where he was teaching for architecture and Leo was like abroad and was learning there and that's where they met and they were architects and they were like messing around with this idea of like dream space and being able to become really good at being architects in dream space. They became obsessed with it, kind of trying to figure out what you could do with dream space to be able to unlock new ideas and they ended up like essentially like ODing on it. And like going all the way down to yeah. limbo, mm-hmm. and there's there's that whole thing. But we can get into that later. So it's like Michael Caine's whole role is pretty much like I teach a bunch of people how to be architects, and then Leo shows up and he's like, I want to turn one into a criminal, essentially. Yeah, draw me a maze. Yeah, and, and yeah, he's like, a, Give me huge... your, I need your brightest, your brightest. Give me, give me your brightest student that I can corrupt. I can, exactly, yeah. yeah. And they, I think he even no, says that. He says something like that. I got, I got that. one better than you. I got Ellen Page. But that's a huge flaw with like as a as a sci-fi movie with that technology, like not knowing how they make those dreamscapes. Like, is it really that simple as a fucking maze or like drawing it? I think it's more he was just testing to see. Like again, all right. First off, the, the bat. The let, we're, before like, we do this, yeah, because everything is going everything is going to come down to this. No, and you're right. Everything's going to come down to this with Inception. Let's go around the table. 
real quick and say if we like Inception or not. Because the thing with Inception is, I like it. I think it's a fun, exciting spectacle of a movie. But Inception is one of those movies that's very, very silly. And if you start to think about it and try and break things apart, things start to not really add up and start to not make any sense. And even when you know that, they the movie is still kind of fun when you watch it because it's paced very well. The exposition is presented like very heavy handedly from time to time, but it's also just like it goes and it moves. Like we aren't really introduced to like the the mark, like uh Killian Murphy's character doesn't really start to show up on screen and have lines of dialogue till like forty five minutes into the movie. Like while they're just like I setting think things later, up. For Killian Murphy, that's like the third act at all. Killian Murphy? No, he shows up like he's, he shows up on the plane. He's yeah. got to get on the plane and. All right, so ask you us dropped what, your passport. Yeah. Ask us what we think. About yeah, what do, you, what do you think? Uh, so, I like Inception, right? Like you said, you put it well. It's it's a good, it's a fun movie to watch, especially the first time you watch. But the main thing that I thought about, I think, or I thought about the entire time I was rewatching it recently because I watched it two nights ago, uh, to be to refresh myself for this. Inception is a movie that does not hold up as well to repeat viewings because, and I think this is where you, I think a certain amount of time after it came out, and I think this happened with The Dark Knight a little bit as well, because it came out to pretty much like universal appraise, like it did really well in the box office, it did really well critically, but then like a month out, you start to have this kind of like backlash, like phenomenon. And I th- it was like everybody was saying Inception is so smart that you have to see it again exactly. to understand it. And it's actually the reverse. Yeah, the more you see it, the yes. more you're like, wait a minute. So he- here's like the, the thing. The rewatchability factor is very low. On that. Yeah. It's a movie that you revisit like once every three years rather than just like rewatch. And you're like, oh, yeah, fun to haul in. So here's the thing. It's not, it's not, it's not a very good, like deeply cerebral movie. It's not primer. You know, it's not like... But it doesn't have to be. And I don't think that's what it's going for. And I think that's why it was so successful in the first place. And we talked about this a little bit during The Dark Knight. The reason The Dark Knight was so successful and the reason I think Inception was so successful but also had this big backlash is because Inception is a very – it is a very accessible movie that is portraying itself as a more cerebral movie. Like yeah. it is – it's nonlinear, which is ultimately I think what a lot of people like see a nonlinear story and they assume immediately it's like, oh, this is a thinky movie, right? Yeah. Because people are just not used to this non-linear is, this story. This is like, you know, and no yeah. offense to anybody, this is like your your average Joe psychological movie. This right. is like everything is spoon fed to you. Not that like what's being fed to you is bad or anything. It's just everything is laid out. It is laid out so that very you understand carefully. what it is, so that everything in that third act and that second act lands emotionally. Right. And like, it, for, I think it's for, done for very well that way. The concept of like dreams and dreams inside dreams and like going into someone's dream and sharing a dream and just your subconscious in general is like, could be super abstract and weird and it's it's super straight. It's just a heist movie straight up. Like mm-hmm. it, it runs like a heist movie. Like it, it's not weird at all. But they're doing something nice for the person that 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 they're like it's heisting very, it's very accessible. it's a very nice thing that they're, they're doing they're actually for him. working they're, some shit out they're like helping him nothing, like yeah. it's this like leo is kind of working through his grief throughout the whole movie which is my big takeaway from this that we'll talk about in a bit and it at the same time it's mirror with killian murphy like they're they're actually doing something genuinely nice for this guy and he's never going to realize it and will it turn out okay we don't know and that's kind of the 
the other questions that they leave. But Cabot, like overall, Jack, did you like, have anything else you wanted to say? I I just want to continue on the the conversation, or maybe we can come back to this. But What's like, it? why Inception? The kind of the turn for Inception, like why Cabot hates Inception. No, he doesn't. Cabot has so many problems with Inception. Is like it, it's, and people talked about it. I think that's where the backlash came from. Is mainstream audiences went out and saw it. And again, this is not like trying to, you know, be pretentious or anything like that. But mainstream audiences went and saw it and reacted really positively to it because Christopher Nolan does a really great balancing act of establishing this kind of surrealist, nonlinear story and creating all these rules that exist outside of like any sort of reality, tangible reality. Um, and creates an interesting sci-fi world in there, but lays it out very explicitly and is very careful to lay that out. So you can watch it the first time and, you know, there might, there are some twists and turns in there, but really it's pretty simple and it's pretty easy to follow. And it buried in there, there's also a pretty decent heist movie and a decent movie about grief. Um, and I think it works on a very accessible level. And that's for the same reason that the Dark Knight works so well is because anybody can go see this movie and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It's not like, primer which is also a great movie. an excellent movie but like the first time Way you see primer follow, it's fucking well because they don't give you anything in, it's they're, nearly they're like go with this and yeah. primer is literally a movie that you need to see twice to really understand what's going if on I, because the first you time watch, you're like I don't if know. anyone when says you to you i saw i saw primer and got it the first time they're a fucking liar like that's just I even i didn't do i'm that. not sure i get it now i'm like super smart and i didn't get that mike gets every twist i get every twist ever yeah you don't even need to watch it. You're just... well, you know, when I'm talking about it in hindsight. He's basically insufferable is what we're trying it's, to get. Yeah, it's, oh, God, yeah. I can't stand myself. Um, but re- wait, real quick. No, I was going to say, it, rewatching it, like what you're saying, how it's how they explain this whole system for like an hour and a half before it really... It's, they it's really, like, they like fucking lay it on thick. It's two, so like, it's two hours and 28 minutes. Like an hour and a half, they're still talking about the rules of everything. And they go on that for the entire They film. keep bringing up new rules. Like, and you're like, like all right. It's like... Understanding that world, watching it for the first time, you need that kind of. I mean, rewatching it, it comes off patronizing to the audience. Well, because in a lot of ways, it's it's way more like it's the opposite. It they're breaking the show don't tell rule because in most cases they are explicitly they telling tell, you it's the rules. So didactic, like they, so. Yeah. Oh yes. They just, the characters are basically just there to explain. How it That's works. why Ellen Page is there, so he could tell you how this world yeah, works. Right. It's, well, like, so he can explain it to her. And Tom Hardy, Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio's exactly. character, as well as like uh, JGL, I mean, their whole thing. And JGL is like, first off, he is amazing. And the same with Tom Hardy in delivering mm-hmm. this exposition. Leo's a natural. He can fucking do anything. You can put any words into his mouth, and he's just going to say it like it's a person saying that stuff. But JGL and Tom Hardy are able to just do it with these like characterizations. Because that's. Panache. Like Leonardo DiCaprio is like always kind of playing himself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he's, it's always like, oh, he's a little neurotic or like, that's why my favorite, I love Catch Me If You Can. You love Catch Me If You Can? Oh yeah. I fucking Who love Who doesn't me like Catch can. Me If You Can? Dude, there are assholes out there that don't like Catch Me If Come You on. Can. Because he has a role to play. You know, he has it's like, like an actual role too. and he's got like this great arc that he goes yeah. back on and forward on. And same with Tom Cruise. That's why he's good in American Man. We should do a like Catch Me If You Can podcast American. for Christmas because that was a Christmas movie. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun actually. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk about that movie with my, my boys. We're here for you. Um, but like JGL and Tom Hardy, a lot of the stuff, like their dialogue is really just kind of... Leonardo DiCaprio, Leo is directly stating... This is what dreams are. This is how they're built. 
This is how it works. This is what we do. Right. JGL don't and, use real places. Right. You the He's dreamer is the one who creates up the names. That are going like, to come back up. JGL and Tom Hardy are kind of like doing it in conversation. Like Ellen Page is like so blah 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 blah, and JGL's like right. You know, like they're kind of. Well, uh, he explains to her the totem. The totem thing. Yeah, he's just like got my die here. Oh, mm-hmm. can't can't let you hold it, little lady. That's my JGL impression. It's great. It's, Spot it's on. So much of that for like the first, actually throughout the whole, I, movie, even at the end. Recently like, rewatching it for this, like, I love it. I love the opening exposition, forty-five minutes of that. But if you know like, all the rules of it already, like it's boring. It is funny though. Like on rewatching it, there are things that were mysteries the first time that now you automatically know. You know, Marion Cotillard is playing Cotillard. What? Cotillard. Cotillard. I'm pretty sure you don't pronounce that D. I've been yelled at before for butchering that name. I still can't pronounce it correctly to this day, but that's the closest. To not be disrespectful to her, I will call her Maul. Maul, when she first shows up, uh, you don't know who she is the first time. You don't know that that's Leo's wife. You're like, is she a spy? What is this? Is she like working for like another side? You don't know what's going on because it's never been revealed in any trailers or anything like that. What's going on? And you slowly learn that like, oh, there's this connection between them. What is this? Is this kind of like a, you don't know what's going on. And then there, there's like, there, there's things like that all throughout the first 45 minutes. Like when Tom Hardy's character shows up and they start doing the heist movie stuff where they're actually going out and recruiting all of these people. Mm-hmm. I I can remember when I was first watching, I'm like, I really don't know what's going to happen next in this movie. I don't know where they're going with all of this. They've been explaining stuff to me for 40 minutes and I have no idea. Like I know from the trailers that eventually shit's going to start getting topsy turvy because there's like buildings falling down and hallways spinning around. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how we're going to get there. I'd imagine that they're going to take place in dreams. But, but I, you don't I th- know. I think that what Cabot's getting at, and finish your point, Cabot. But I think the I forgot what I was saying. The problem is that all that is well and good on the first watch, but he spoon feeds all of it to you. So there's not a lot to pick up on the second time you watch it, or the third time. And a really good. It feels like like a studio exec or something like made him explain everything. Where. I think the audience could pick up on some stuff. It's like the Blade Runner narration. telling you explicitly in the dialogue. Yeah, I don't think he needed to go as crazy. But again, it's trying to go like for but the widest audience To possible. my case, yeah, he did because that's the audience he's shooting mm-hmm. for. Because everybody's looking to him after The Dark Knight because The Dark Knight Everyone was so successful and so, so popular. Yeah. And he says, okay, I'm going to make this very easily digestible, but still like a really well-made and I think you you were saying this in the car a little bit, mm-hmm. Cabot. It has all the pieces that you want out of a movie like this, but it just doesn't quite doesn't hold up in a way. And it's a great first ride. I mean, I walked out of that theater the first time. I was like, that movie fucking ruled. That was awesome. But I think you know, even compared to something like Memento, I think Very Memento meant Memento Very similar and thematically, but but structurally, Memento has a lot more going for it that I think is better for you to watch it memento shows you what it's doing and kind of unfurls that whereas a lot of inception's rules come out just through exposition i mean it's a pretty unique concept that they made but not the motifs have been you know any philip k dick um movie has has like tackled some of that stuff yeah well, I think that's also kind of what you were saying before, Jack, like the 
everybody's saying like it's a super smart movie. It's I a think simple concept. It's, it's, a, it's, it's I know. I think concept. it's because it's kind of this original idea that people haven't seen before, and that kind of plays into the idea like I've never seen anything like that. Going into dreams, what are you talking about? Well, I also think the way that they dilate time and they have multiple things going on at the same time, and the the actual timeline is structured in a way that you know you have the there's layers things. and levels. There's layers there, and that doesn't. That's not usually representative. Are represented in a lot of right, and so mo- wider audiences, which is the best. I think that's the best term for wider it. audiences. M- yeah. m- wider audiences aren't used to seeing movies that are tackling this narrative structure like that, and and they're getting it. They're they're getting it explained to them along the way, so they're able to follow it very easily and understand it. And it's like, oh, this is crazy. Like I haven't seen a movie like this before, because like there ha- like you said, there have been movies like that made. But not on this scale, and like to this, like release to this amount of people. No, like it, it looks incredible. Like some of those visual effects when for two thousand ten, I remember too. Like I know Doctor Strange did that city bending street buildings on top of each other, and it looked awesome. But like that movie was was mesmerizing. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh. Go yeah, on. I, got you. I saw you were getting it. The with light, the, your eyes. <laughs> with the layers, like it's keep going. It's isn't it, um like paralleling him as a filmmaker or all filmmakers. Like we make these mazes and puzzles. Yeah, there's there's the whole there's like, the the whole like the film process yeah, like theory behind it, which is very much what he's doing. Right, he does that in all of his it's movies. What he does in general. Yeah. yeah, like Prestige is very. We were talking about that. Like Prestige is very much about like the 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 relationship between artist and audience and uh, legacy and wanting to wanting to like try new things and do all that stuff. And this is very much yeah, like Leo's the director like, and these like beautiful complex. Uh, places for people to right. enjoy and to inhabit to, to fill inhabit. they fill mm-hmm. it with their own subconscious mm-hmm. yeah because you and that's i, I think if, if there is like a detriment to that kind of wide audience appeal it is that you are less able to fill this space there's there's not a lot of ambiguity to it because of how explicitly they explain just about everything Minus maybe the ending, which I think is going to be another conversation towards mm. the end of this podcast. But yeah, I soprano that a little bit, but like, like for such a I hate the for, fucking ending. Like it doesn't matter. Like why does he even need to do that for a movie? Well, no, so we'll get there for a movie that uh, that is surreal in nature. Concept wise, it's surreal. Concept wise, it is pretty literal in execution. Yeah, very much so. Like yeah. we were talking in the car, like. It, it, it almost could have been made without even being in a dream. It could have just been a heist movie. And yeah. And then, like, maybe 15 minutes of Joseph Gordon-Levitt floating in a hotel room or something. He's amazing in this movie, man. He's very like, good. Very that's like, well-fitted suits. Where is He's Joseph like Gordon-Levitt? He's, amazing in this movie. Like, where is he? Where is right he now? now? Like... Uh, he was fucking around with. Uh, what was the last time you saw press him? Re- he was uh, press press record. He was fucking around with that for a while, like, trying to launch his own, like, streaming channel of, like... Oh, independently that's good. We need like, another streaming channel yeah well it was like independently made stuff like you can make it on your iphone and like submit it and like they'll put it up on the streaming service that anybody can have on their computer or like any any like smart tv that what's, they have what's the last movie that you can remember Joseph gordon levitt being in jg um he's in something after looper right which was you know only three years ago 
had to be in something after Looper. Uh, but it doesn't come Link- to mind, does it? Li- he was in Lincoln. Oh, uh, I didn't see Lincoln. Well, but he's not the main yeah. character. It's not a JGL movie. Oh, he's not I Lincoln? I mean, that's... What's that? He's not Lincoln? He's not Lincoln in that movie. He's 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 baby Lincoln. Ah. Um, he uh he had that whole thing where like this Inception was like the big uh bomb of that. It was like he was in Five Hundred Days of Summer. And he Dark kicked Air ass Rises. in Mysterious Skin and uh, uh Brick like on the on the indie circuits. Like 50, he 50. he was kicking ass fifty fifty. Everybody was like, this guy is going to make it. But JGL is like not a leading man kind of dude like he can hold it down but like that's not his he doesn't really have any selling power oh i guess he did the one about porno uh porno with scarlett johansson uh don juan oh that's his oh, movie yeah. too he made yeah, that. that is yeah. Yeah. yeah don juan that's what he's been doing right i don't, knew there was something in there but even that was like a while ago wasn't it that was about three or four like years ago two, no that was about two years ago two years ago i'd say uh so he's about due I I could stand but he's to phenomenal see him in, in more this. Stuff. Uh, Tom Hardy is phenomenal in this. Mm-hmm. Ken Watanabe is fucking great in it's... this. He's given nothing to do again. Yeah, but like, and he gets some moments to really shine. He does get like some like that whole scene where he's just like, "I oh. bought the airline." Yeah, it was it would cleaner. Clean. It's like, yeah, yeah. But uh, the the star of this movie is my boy Michael Caine, Sil Murph. Killian Murphy. Yeah, I, I think he's probably amazing Leo. in this. He's got some really. Oh, Leo's sad amazing eyes. in everything. You can't, you can't, you can't like it. It's Leo and everybody else, and mm-hmm. Leo's great in this. But I even think Killian Murphy is just like so on fire in this as like this kind of guy who's just pissy and spoiled. Of... But like he's like he's, he's wound he, up. No, he's before, wound before I rewatched it, he was in my head as like the bad guy for some reason. They were like trying to fuck him over. Mm. And he's kind of just the sad rich boy. Yeah, like he's really. he's got I mean, some like, he's got some problems. He's definitely he's yeah. got to work through, and they're dad. and they're gonna help him work through he it. Does. To, he has to... these like really sad, soft blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Are they making money for this? What? Uh, the other people in the job are. They're yeah, all making can, money. Yeah, yeah. Leo gets are. to go home. Leo yeah, gets, gets to go, to go home. home. But like, I never heard no, like you, we'll no. also pay. Yeah, did no, they? Don't you remember? He uh, they say, um, the. Alchemist guy, what do they call him? The chemist. Chemist. Oh, no, the chemist guy. Yeah, he gets his yeah, share. You're he gets right. he gets Leo's share because which means I get to go home and live with Leo's family. Right. He gets also to come back to America <laughs> right. with Leo. Yeah. Wait. So when he does at the end, after when they all wake up on the plane, and he's been down in limbo, I guess, and brings uh, Ken Ken back, Ken back. and then they land, and he gives him the passport. So it's like immediately the flights to. L.A. Right. They get off. on a flight to L.A. and and Ken, what's his character's name? Saito? Is that it? Saito, yeah. He says, like, all I have to do is make, make one, one phone, phone call, call from the air if this goes well and I will, uh, I will okay. sort and, out. And you get he says it very explicitly. He says, all I need to do is make one phone call while we're like, in the ha- air. That happened fast. Well, because it, that's yeah, it's all implied. He, like he, that's why he has to go down to limbo to get Saito. He's, he's like, he's everything's like, lost. If this plane lands in L.A., I'm gonna, fucked. Yeah. Unless Saito makes that phone call, and it's like if he wakes up and his brain is just like scrambled eggs, as yeah. they say, he's gonna just get fucking arrested. That's how they raise the stakes in this movie that mm-hmm. takes place inside your head. It fucked up on him too, not telling anybody about the oh, if yeah. you die in the dream, you die in uh, real life. Like, would you have fucking done up. it? 
true. It's still fucked up. Yeah. Like, I know why he did it, but it, I love how Tom Hardy's like, well, fuck this. I'm just going to sit here and yeah. it's like I'm going to wait. It's like a rule that they keep. They, like, it's like one of like the... 200th rule that they add in like at the end of the movie the uh that's the the big rule that finally hits me just because i love x i love the exposition in the first 45 minutes i really do i think it's handled uh neatly you know it might not be tight and well paced in some spots but it's everything's kind of like everything you're getting you need and everything that's being repeated it's being repeated for a reason the line of exposition that i don't really dig is when it's like What's limbo? Like, we've learned about the concept of limbo. What's limbo? And it's like, unconstructed dream space. At that point, you're just kind of like, what is... What does that what fucking is mean? What is going Shut on up. here? Like, are you going to keep teaching me shit till the end of this movie? And they do. Like, they, they do. keep revealing shit they to really you. Do. And you're like, wait, why are you talking... It's... It's a... I like the movie. I like the movie, too. I don't want to... I don't want to... But I was I like fucking bored watching this movie. But it's infuriating because... It because like we were talking about, it's it there if you as you start to think about it as we are wont to do with movies, yeah, it, you start like what, what? But like, why is? But that's so like di- listen, the that's... dream space. Like, who has dreams like that? Like, dream. I I in my dream last night, I won a scratch off that was free chicken for life or forty eight thousand dollars cash value. Would you huh. pick? I'm just saying, dreams are fucking weird. No, but would you pick? Um, the forty-eight thousand dollars. Really? Good yeah. choice. Nah, I'm not chicken. Chicken's whack. Do you think that's an appropriate? Says the fucking vegetarian. Yeah, that's why I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> that's a good. Uh, <laughs> how much money do you think you spent on chicken, like, for your entire life? I will definitely spend forty-eight thousand dollars more on chicken for the like rest of my life. I'd, I'd rather work for the rest of the money and put that aside. That's one thing down. Like forty-eight thousand dollars now is worth more than all the chicken in the future. If that's I get, how finance works, I'm I, it pretty would be sure. like, how much can chicken can I get a day? Because then I could, if I can, if it's unlimited, I can feed the world. Send chicken yeah. over there. That's my chicken. Send it no, over there. Send it over there. No, you I can't. Call, no, you I can't break the chicken rules. Yeah, it's, no, it's I would want to. I'd have one to flip the flip the the scratch off over to the unfun side, and you and you read the the stuff on it that says like, yeah, you think it's fun, but like actually. No, it's weird. It was like Secret Santa. I got it for Nicole. She ended up winning it. And like Nicole's your girlfriend. Nicole is my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, in in your dreams, just like dreams. <laughs> I swear, I have a girlfriend. Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. She's your dream girl. That's all we're trying to say, right? They're such uh, literal, like clean dreams. Mm-hmm. And so, like Inside Out, even tackled more abstract stuff and that's like a pixar movie well but uh, for your, th- when dealing with the reason that stuff. the dreams need to be so literal and straightforward is because they are tricking killian murphy or whoever the mark is in the dream to believe that it's real and the moment that you start to introduce they they, they address that directly when he's expositioning the whole dream rules to ellen page he says the moment you start fucking with gravity and the way that spaces work your subconscious starts to feel somewhat uncomfortable. And I think like that's true to dreams as well. Because as soon as you start to like realize that you are in a dream, the more likely you are mm-hmm. for the to dream to just up. fall apart and wake up. Yeah. Like you need to be convinced that the dream is real. Yeah, like the first two levels in the dream are meant to be, the first one's supposed to be real to him. He's supposed to think that that's him awake. When um, uh, Robert Fisher, Robert, Richard, Robert Fisher, 
Killian oh. Murphy's character. Oh yeah, sure. Fisher. He gets he gets uh, kidnapped. He gets kidnapped, and Tom Berenger is there with him. And then they are like, "We're gonna figure it out." And then he wakes up in a hotel room or in the hotel. No, it's Tom Hardy pretending to be. Uh, Tom yeah, Hardy. well, it's Tom Berenger's there. Yeah, the character. Yeah, I it's, guess the, that, that's it's as, not the character. That's as weird as the dreams get. You get to. Like, yeah, that's. Little... But that's. Think about the third I mean, level. You can like do that in fucking Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, Mission, Mission Impossible. Impossible. Mission Impossible starring Tom Cruise. Um, side note, real quick. Me and Cabot watched The Mummy starring mm. Tom Cruise. And that's all we got to say about that. That's pretty good, huh? Um, so the first one is supposed to be... Wait, wait, wait. You liked it. It was it was fun at first, but it, Mike it, loves it, it bad doesn't shit. really... I love the ending. The ending yeah, of that shit is like a lot of fun. I was psyched for that, the ending, too. The Mummy 2 pretty starring cool. Brandon Fraser or The Mummy starring someone. Tom Cruise? Because the, the first Mummy with Oh, Brandon The Mummy Fra- 2. I enjoy The Mummy 2. Okay, let me raise the stakes. Scorpion King. Starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson or The Mummy starring Tom Cruise. Scorpion King. Uh, Scorpion King is a good movie. Okay. It's a good movie. Okay. The Mummy 3, also starring Brandon Fraser. Tomb of the versus, Dragon Emperor. Yes. I would like The Mummy. Over okay. that one, please. Okay, so that's your threshold. Thank we you found very much. the line, okay? All right. No yeah. Rachel Wise. No Rachel Wise. No me. And didn't they just Ain't rec- coming. Didn't they just recast her? They just recast her and they don't even talk about it. And I went to, to go see the movie and I didn't know who nothing. she was. I'm like, what, did you get remarried? And they like, went they through did. the process of killing Rachel Wise in The Mummy 2 and bringing her back, yeah. but they were not willing to bring her back to the She's a real movie. artist, man. She's like, I'm not doing she's this. A, getting she's who? like an actual actress. Yeah, they're good. like, you're getting Jet Li to play The Mummy now? Like, I'm not I'm doing good. this shit. What do I look like? It's an Asian mummy this time. Anyway, the first level is supposed to seem real to Fisher. Jack is correct. And the hotel is supposed to seem real because like, oh, the people are trying to trick you. When he goes into the next level of the dream, understanding that he's dreaming, it's this crazy fucking, like, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, James Bond. It's James Bond. Like, shit, which is, like, out of control. People are shooting at you, and there's a big vault that you gotta walk into, and your dad's in there. uh, That's the surreal shit. Tomorrow never Everything else is supposed to trick him into thinking that it's real. Whether they want him to think that they're the ones doing it or not. Uh Which I gotta say, I really appreciate the third level where it is just straight up James Bond. Yeah. That's so fun. Because yeah. like, what a fun dream that Because they're be. never going to let Chris Nolan direct a Bond movie. Like, do a fun, like, ski James Bond mission in a dream. That'd be awesome. It's great. I mean, it's, that's, that is, that, like, Christopher Nolan has always said he's always wanted to direct a Bond movie. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things, like, if you understand anything about Bond movies, the, the Broccoli's are never going to let that shit fucking happen. Mm-hmm. The Broccoli's? The Broccoli's. They they own the the rights to Bron- to, to Bond. The Broccoli family. James Bond is owned by Broccoli. Broccoli. Mr. Broccoli. Oh, Mr. Broccoli. And Mrs. Broccoli. Mr. and Mrs. Broccoli. Weird. Um, I think the names have changed now because it was mainly daughters, but it's still like kind of it's still under that you know presents. If they had gone a fourth level down, they that did. probably. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if they had a, if they had a, on purpose gone a fourth they level, go to five. All right, it was it was gonna Five's be the max it was just gonna be a joke. Right? Yeah, I mean technically it goes six because we're the sixth level. I was gonna make a zombie dream joke. Oh, you're doing a zombie dream? Yeah, that joke? was gonna be a bit. That's okay. Like Marvel zombies? Yeah. Like they finally go down and no, Wolverines just like all no. Up. You never have like a, dr- a zombie dream where everybody's zombies and you just like kind of go crazy and kill a bunch of zombies in your cabin. Probably. Um, no, wait, no, no. He's um, just always he's always like scratching off very tickets literal. And like yeah, just this is like, my dream. I win this or cash. Which one am I gonna pick? Dream I ever have. 
surface. That's it's every night. Of it. <laughs> That's a weird dream. Um, about dreams though. <laughs> a pool. Okay, let's. It see. is the least sexual movie. It is cold when it comes even romantic. Have you ever seen a Christopher Nolan movie? I know he's very cold. All the main. He doesn't know what sex like, is. Mm-hmm. What? Aha! You All get that the main one little. Just have dead, dead wives. The one little kiss. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, is like. Mm-hmm. And Ellen Page is like. I just, I just kissed. There's Joseph very Gordon little Levitt. comic relief. There's that, and like when he like smacks someone to test if they're awake or something. Right. It's supposed to be a little funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's. I love Tom Hardy like uh, picking on Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You have to dream bigger, darling. Yeah, and like kicking over his chair and stuff yeah. like that to like uh, present like the kicks to like the people that don't I, know about I it. I really like non-meathead Tom Hardy in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's great He's so often like... He I, is so good in this movie. I mean, I like meathead Tom Hardy also, and I also like... Uh, probably my favorite Tom Hardy is Bronson Tom Hardy. Of course. And, the, and this like, is... He's fresh off Bronson. Nuts, yeah. meathead. But he's like... He looked like he dropped a lot of weight from Bronson to be mm-hmm. in this movie because he looks pretty spelt. Well, Bronson, he get, he put on a lot of weight, but it's also how Bronson shot. Yes. They really like tried to... Up, same with Bane too. Like he got big, but they were like... He can only get so big, so they right. were like, "We need to like low angles and tilt shifts." They Tom Cruise him. They Tom Cruise him. They Tom Cruise him. Stand on a box so that you're not five five. Mm-hmm. I could use more Michael Caine. Like, of course, that goes. I, it's, it's like every a Michael Caine tease. It really is actually. Maybe he's a little more that's Tom even Hardy worse because if I go into a movie and I know Michael Caine's not in, it, I'm like, obviously, could have used more Michael Caine. Well, did, in there. did you not catch the line in the uh, the credits? It was like, for more Michael Caine, <laughs> see Dark Knight Returns it's in says, theaters. No, it says Michael Caine will return in the, in Dark, the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, the Ni- Dark Knight Rises. Sorry, That's his Bond movie. Inception's his Bond movie. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, I, this is a, this is good, is a good a spot as any to, yeah. to like take a break real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and we'll start talking about uh, a little bit more headier stuff. And I, I definitely want to get at least one more dream from Cabot. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, stay tuned and we will talk to you in just a second. Hey guys, Mike Birch here. Thanks for listening to our Inception podcast. Just wanted to pop in here real quick to say, you know what, if you're interested in dreams... Maybe you would be interested in electric dreams. Such Go as. On. <laughs> I was trying to sell it. You sold it. I was that trying was to sell it. No, keep going. Such as. Do androids dream of electric sheep? <gasps> do they? By Philip K. Dick. It was turned into a movie called Blade Runner back in 19. Oh, don't fuck this up. 82. Yeah. Nice. Is that true? I'm trying to add some ambiance to this. And I'm trying to make it conversational. Don't don't stop. Don't don't break eye contact with me with okay, this. Okay. Keep going. So me and my very handsome friend Jack Kalajeski mm-hmm. and Robert Anderson mm-hmm. went and saw mm-hmm. the new Blade Runner 2049 by directed by Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Denis Without an S. Vinny. We made a hot take about it. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. You should stop listening to this podcast right now and go see it. Mm-hmm. Then come back, finish this podcast, and then listen to our podcast about that. You can find it on storyscreenbeacon.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, 
or anywhere where you get your awesome little podcast that you listen to. All right, now let's get back to talking about regular dreams. And welcome back. So, see, he's he's right back there. You take enough time, you take enough, sorry, wait, I got it. Perfect. There we go. It's dumb. It's a dumb movie. Inception? Yeah. It's a little fucking silly. It's so stupid. It's rewatching it for this though, like I said before, it's there's a lot to it's it's a fun movie. And I think that in the sense of like we touched on it before, like the idea of how they're all there's those little tiny theories, like how they're all, you know, different members of like how to get a movie made, like I wanted to like be specific about that in case people hadn't heard about it before. So the idea is that the entire movie is about is about making a movie. All of Chris Nolan's movies are about making a movie. Right. Mm -hmm. And Leonardo DiCaprio is like the director. He's, you know, got this vision of, of a way to do something. And Ellen Page is like the screenwriter. Like she like comes up with like she constructs it, constructs everything and figures out exactly how it's going to work and what they're going to do. And uh, like uh, uh, Saito Ken Watanabe, he's like the studio. JGL is like the producer who organizes everything and like puts everything all around. Uh, the alchemist dude, uh, who's like it's his dream on the first level. He's just the drug dealer. Oh, he's kind of. I, I. He's like. Uh, I guess like he's the best boy. No, he's like um the like the gaffer. Uh, no, like uh like like special effects stunt coordinator, kind of like the technical stuff, like. Okay. How are we going to get this done? You need to have specific things that are going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, who are we missing? Tom Hardy is obvious. His uh, Eames is the is an actor. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the, the producer. producer. He's the producer. He's the producer. He's the guy that he like keeps organizes everything, everything keeps everything in check, makes sure everybody's on the same page. Um, right, and then Tom Hardy gets into his character. He's the actor. Yeah, he's and portraying it's... other roles. He's mm-hmm. he's playing multiple people. Who are we, who Michael are we missing? Kane. Michael Caine just kind of is the dad. director's father. Supports, yeah, he supports you. <laughs> yeah. kind well, of. and that's like, and uh, and the big one is Robert Fisher, Killian Murphy. He's the audience. Like he's the one that we're gonna put this idea in the audience's head and get them to care about something that's not real. So is Maul then the ex-wife of the director that's constantly trying to ruin his uh, his vision? It's like the, what happened it's to like Chris the, Nolan the ghost and of like wives? Films before maybe it's just a class. Like this is the thing: is it weird that it's like every Christopher Nolan Everyone. movie, every Everyone. single not one. not Dunkirk. There's no dead wife. You don't know whose wife is alive or dead. Well, yeah, but then that's cheating because, like, there could be dead wives everywhere. But it is weird that it's in every single one. In the dark, but the dead wife is a little while. The dead wife is a classic trope. Yeah, it's a classic narrative trope to push. Is it wrong? Absolutely, it's a little. It's a little egregious, and you don't need to use it. But again, Christopher Nolan is a kind of guy where I don't think that he really understands. The Some, complexities of human emotion, like he gets human emotion and the beast of it. Told him, like a cold robot. Chris, what's up with these dead wives? What happened to you? Well, isn't yeah, this well, kind of like a, does, a this Inception is kind of like a, a like a commentary on that. It's like the director has this obsession with his debt with this dead wife, and it just keeps breaking into the stories that the writer is trying to tell. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's constantly just keeps coming in there, and it's like we're gonna tell this story, and we're gonna be we're gonna kidnap him, and we're gonna like torture him and torture his friend, and then we're gonna go down to the hotel, and it's like right, but then like my dead wife, the dead wife is a thing. My my the main character is obsessed with the dead wife. So is that, and it just keeps coming in and coming in. So is that like, commentary every time Christopher Nolan is making a movie? He's like, all right, so we got Batman. He. Uh, you know, he's doing his thing. He's fighting the joke. I have, but what if his wife died? Yeah. <laughs> That's not what he, it is. He it's just like control, he's, li- he's he literally his pencil hand. <laughs> dead wife. He's just obsessed. He's just obsessed with this with this trope, and I don't understand why. He wakes up in the morning, goes in the bathroom, and too, no, that's again, it's a classic narrative trope. But it's a character it, like... with a tortured past, and one of the most relatable tortured past that you can attribute to a character is they had somebody that they really cared about, yeah, uh, and they're dead. And they're most protagonists are male, and, and the else. person they care the most um, about would be a woman. At a least wife. you see her in some of the movies, like in Interstellar. She's not even. She, you just Who is it? Interstellar. You just. You don't even have a picture of her. You just know that he's he's. Yeah, he gets weird with it. Like I don't know if he's aware of it. In Someone sense, must but have it told feels him. Like yeah, because it's like the Dark Knight was like the last one where like he had this kind of like dead wife esque. Because technically, it's not his wife. Mm-hmm. But like, and then you get Inception and Dark Knight Rises, and even in Dark Knight Rises, it calls back to Liam Neeson and is like, "My dead wife. I got a wife that's dead, by the way." Two dead wives. That's how I made a daughter. It's a bunch of dead wives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She almost becomes the little dead wife for Batman in that one too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she reprises her role as dead wife. She's been the dead wife a couple times in some Nolan's. Yeah, it's true. But all of those Nolan movies are for another time. Today yeah, we'll, we'll get to them. Today we discuss. It's so, there's. It's so romantically cold, like beyond well, that. Trope. Again, it's that's Christopher Nolan, like. It's cold. It just feels like... Like, I feel like you just keep punching me back to Interstellar because that's the one that's got, like, a highly romantic center story where, like, he's, it's Christopher Nolan talking about the idea of love as this kind of scientific truth. And it's just, like, it's coming from a guy where his past movies, this one included, are just, like, it's, the, like, love is just, like, kind of, like, this this abstract concept. And, like, Christopher Nolan apparently has one of, like like, one of the best... Uh, family, like marriage, and he's like a great dad, uh, like of like these successful Hollywood types, where you know, and that's another thing. Him, Leo, in this movie as a director is like he's like estranged from his, from his like children. He doesn't get to see them for like a very long time, like for long periods of time, and like his wife, like he completely destroyed his relationship with his wife. Like in this sense, it's kind of pushed. To the to the limits of like he got her killed like he caused her to kill himself. Ellen kill Page herself. even yeah. twists the knife on that one in the moment where he, she figures out what's going on with Maul. Like she gets to see that bit of his psyche, which maybe we want to talk about that portion of the movie where he's got this like elevator that goes deeper and deeper into mm-hmm. his psyche mm-hmm. that he's got made a like a a mental prison of yeah. And uh, he's got like specific like, memories. Well, it's not of like her. it's not like you're the reason that she died. And he's like. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Ellen, for saying that. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. Yeah. Um. There's a thing on that. Like, I love the train bit in the elevator where it's like the reveal of the train. That's the first time you see the train, yes. but you don't know what it means, yes. what it is, and then it that eventually cool. shows up in the first level, which is like a really cool scene. That was actually a weird, dreamy thing. Like when they put their heads on the train track. That's a brutal way to wake up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fucking you're a train wait, running. You're waiting your for a train. 
Oh, this will be good. Keep you, going. You do not know where that train will take you. <laughs> uh-huh. But you know it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. <laughs> because you'll be together. There's a lot of that just like vague psych 101 shit. Just and then like, when Leo does like everybody does that line like a couple times. And when Leo does it, he's just like screaming it because there's an actual we'll train like careening towards. Uh-huh. Say it! Answer it! Why? Psych 101. Go on, Cabot. I don't know. Psych 101. It's like a Psych 101 Inception. That's it's like it. Cloud Atlas and a bunch of lines that like don't really mean anything. Like when you dream in the reality, the reality dreams back. It's like what? Oh no, that actually makes sense. That makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. You get well. You get a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's pretty it. smart. I don't what know if he's caught on to this. It's just like you gotta open your mind and get woke. The dead wife thing keeps it from being an actual fun movie, though. It feels. It does. It just. It becomes haunting. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, no, and that's like well, she I haunts want, the movie. Yeah. I want to talk about that because it the movie to me is not, and this is where I think this is like the best part. Real quick to like jump to the end and talk about that ending real quick that everybody's always like talking about. Like, was it all a dream? The, uh-huh. the spinning top, and he goes and he sees his kids, and it's like the the, the 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 top is spinning, and then the Hans Zimmer amazing score by Hans Zimmer in this, and time plays at the end, which is fucking phenomenal. It's top ten uh, songs well, score, like that's a score. We in joke a movie. about the blah thing, but yeah, like, but it's like, a cool it's, score. It's, it's really good, and it sounds great. The top spinning, and then all of a sudden, it's about to maybe knock over, and then we cut to black, and that's it. And I everybody have, asks, "I have strong thoughts about this." You want yeah, to talk about this. Yeah. Okay. This is this goes back to the the Deckard replicant or not thing from Blade Runner. The for, yes. Um, the important thing from that scene, and I think you can nitpick it. You can talk about like the kids and how the kids look the same, and it's repeating that same memory, kind of, or it's like echoing that same memory that he has of the kids that they show many times over the course of this movie. They drill that home, but I think the important thing is he spins the top, and then his kids call to him, and he turns away. Mm-hmm. He is no longer concerned about looking at the top and knowing if he is in the dream or not. The point of that scene is wherever he is, dream or not. This is good enough for him. This is where he wants That's to be. So he the turns reality that he chooses. It's, it's and its perception is reality. The, the first time we see him use the top, and we, like before we even know the rules, he spins the top. He's obsessed, and he puts a gun to his head and right. watches it. Right, and just watches it intently. And when it falls, then he makes the phone call to talk to his kids. Yes, and, and he, then in this one, he spins the top and he's watching it. But then he sees his kids and he's like, "Well, you know what? I this don't care." The like, faces was a was a block for him though, right? Like he could never see the faces. Never, yet. He sees the faces in the end. In the end, yeah. Uh, and they, they are faces. They do in, at the very end. Yeah, they do. They, they do. Turn and and they are do, played by two different act, they, by two different actors. That might be something he created himself. So they're like, a little bit older. That if he sees their they faces, are older. They are a little bit older. Okay. It's one of those things where it's like you might not notice it. Just again in the casual viewing, like the first time you see mm-hmm. it, but the more you watch it in a little IMDb shirt, sort short, cheating, we call that some in the Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> you can you can see like oh there there's there's different ones, okay, like different ages uh, for the actors, but like again, the main point of that ending is it doesn't matter to him because this whole movie has been him kind of dealing with the guilt. And more importantly, the grief of uh, causing his wife to uh, kill herself, really, because he incepted her with the idea that you're asleep when they were trapped down in limbo for like 50, 60 years. And then when she woke up, it's like an inception is a very powerful thing. Like it can't 
you can't get rid of it. So now she's awake and she actually kept thinking that she was asleep. Right. And you can't get that idea. We need to, we need to wake up. Like you need to, we need to kill ourselves together to wake up so we can actually be with our real children. And then, so she stages this, uh, she stages like this fight at a hotel room and he walks in, it's on their anniversary. It's the hotel room that they always go to on their anniversary. And she's like in the building across the street, which I have problems with, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, and he like walks out there and she's like, let's jump together. Let's jump. I have myself declared sane by three different, uh, she, she, yeah, she went through a lot of steps to make it yeah. him, like, yeah. right, a suspicious amount of steps where like any court would go like, that's suspicious. Why did she get herself declared sane three times by three different people before right. her husband supposedly killed her? Right. And why Which did it, she it jump could, out of a window? And he's saying it's a suicide. Yeah. Why did she jump out of a window that he was from a room that he... Why was her DNA in the other room? It's a completely different building. Yeah. Or if it's the same building, it's a different wing. Well, to her, it doesn't matter because she knows she's going to wake... She's convinced she's going to wake up. Anyway. She's convinced she's going to wake up. And that's... I think that's in, in the, the memories that we're seeing when we flash back and we see that... Uh, altercation between them i do believe that uh he has changed it in his dream where they were actually in the same room but he's trying to distance himself because of the guilt and trying to create this idea in his head that there's no way that i possibly could have done it there's no way that i'm responsible when deep down he knows that he is and he's putting her in this place where like there's no way i could have pushed her out like my, suggesting my, that he wait, pushed you think her? There's an option that, like, no, the idea is that he pushed her. Like, that's not what I think happened. The idea is that that's why she jumps. And she's like, if you don't jump with me, they're going to say that you killed me because we got in this fight in this hotel room. Right. And then you pushed me out the window. Right. But now she's jumping from another window that he's not even in. Uh-huh. He doesn't have fingerprints over there. He's never even been in that room. Right. So the whole idea is that I, I feel like we're seeing a version that his subconscious has created of this night, of this event when his wife killed herself because he incepted her. That and he's he's pushing he's pushing the blame away from himself. Well, that wouldn't work. He, he yeah. could have just grabbed her if she was in the same room. Because she needs him to come exactly. out. She well, wants him to jump with just, her, though. He could have killed her. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. This could be I mean, no, technically he did. Technically he did. Like that's technically he no, did, but like but he could have like actually killed. This her. is a world where this technology is known to exist. People hire people to defend their brains against it. Everybody knows the military did it. Like he would get in trouble even if they didn't think that she didn't have to get herself declared sane. If she was just like there's no way to pr- I guess she didn't know that she was incepted, but like if they found out that he incepted her with something, that's technically illegal, Yeah, but right? no one believes that inception is possible. Right. So, no. There's no precedent for that. Well, they could still have a court case about it. Inception 2. Uh, the court, the listen, court, they, really the court think, shows up and like, drop the kids. In what fantasy sci-fi world would our court system be able to figure something as complex as that out? We have a tough enough time with closed, they would bring open, in, shut They cases. would bring in all the characters uh-huh, from this movie uh-huh. as character witnesses. Uh-huh. Cobb was very blah, blah, blah. Ellen uh-huh. Page would be like, he obviously had some problems with Maul and... No. It'd be like it'd be like to kill a mockingbird only this inception is, characters. No, this is our subconscious trying to create That's a more a good complicated idea. movie than we actually got. I and mean, he needs to incept like the jury. They go into like they has to incept the jury that he's. That he's you're in. trying. Yeah. You're trying to yeah. incept a more complex movie into our subconscious. That's the whole point of the movie. Is he's incepting this idea into your head? He's uh-huh. making you believe these rules that don't exist, that aren't realistic. That when you think about them too much, 
It's like a dream. It wasn't real. Yeah, but the whole it was a dream the whole time. No, it's it not a dream the whole time. Boring. That's fucking stupid. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Although I will say, where's where's uh, his mother-in-law? Like, isn't she like watching the kids? She's on the phone, and mm-hmm. she's just not there in that last scene. His mother-in-law. Oh, she Michael Caine's wife. Yeah, obviously dead. No, she's Michael like Caine. alive. They're talking to. That's she... What he does, Michael Caine definitely has a dead wife. Well, I guess if you want to go with Nolan route, yeah, <laughs> at least one. Who knows how oh, many dead yeah, wives Michael Caine has? That, he's a storied I was man. Ask that question because he was teaching in Paris, mm-hmm. and then he's back, and he's like, he's looking for. He's he's in charge of the kids too. Uh, no, like the mother-in-law is in charge of the kids, and he goes back because he's he's like he's like working abroad. Like he works mm-hmm. in this school, and then yeah, he goes yeah, back and oh, bring when you go back for Christmas, bring the Christmas gifts for the kids. Yeah, it wasn't Christmas; it was just bring because these gifts. Leo back. Leo met Mall in Paris. Paris, where they were both architects, and then they probably moved back to the states where they had their kids, and then Mall died, and then the Michael Caine's wife went to the states to take care of the kids. That's yep. not mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's not that. Sure. Unrealistic. Michael Caine's probably a great dad, though, too. Yeah. He's an even better grandpa. I bet a that really good he's a, bet like, he's a fucking know, ace like, grandpa. DiCaprio is probably a little unhinged after all that shit. He's probably going to be a weird Oh, dad. you think? Yeah. He's like he's like falling apart at the seams in this movie. Have you guys ever seen the movie Shutter Island? Yeah. It's supposed to be really wild. It came out too. like a couple months before Inception, uh-huh. and everybody was like, what's going on with Leonardo DiCaprio? Are, are you and like, okay, some dude? like tortured dead white He's like, past. I want an Oscar so bad! Like in his mind, Leonardo DiCaprio has lived like like hundreds of years when they keep going down because time moves so slowly. Like they grow right. old. Right, he's an old so, soul. Yeah, yeah, they were down there for like sixty years or something like a. Full he doesn't life. seem that twice. Old. He doesn't seem that old. He seems kind of a uh, impulsive. Well, because again, it's like it's the whole dream sense too, where it's like you have this 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 radical notion. It's like they keep saying that it's like you have this radical notion of this like kind of faraway memory, and that's what the dreams are. Like when you wake up. It's there, and you live through it, and you felt the time as it passed. But when you wake up like a dream, it's hard to recollect specifics. You can't specifics. Really learn anything new because it's it's all constructed of stuff ever, you already know. Right? Yeah. Have you ever had you a dream like, where it, like it felt like it lasted years and years, and then you woke up and you can bear it, you can only remember like little tiny fragments of it. But right. when you were dreaming it, it felt like you were living a full life. You remember? That's kind of what they're going at. Like he can't like go down to level five and like learn how to speak Greek. And then come back out. But she like, could have. She could have. So. She could have taught him French like, down there. It's not like yeah, the Matrix. Yeah, it's not like the Matrix. I don't think. He could have. Pre- he could have perfected his kung fu down, down there. Yeah, yeah, but then he'd wake up and he'd be like, "I'm pretty sure it's like." No, he's it's not that. Really it's, bad yeah, he's just super <laughs> bad. Yeah. Do you think he spent my, years and years learning it? You're like, I can speak Greek and you speak gibberish. Do you think my muscles have any impact on how fast I move down here? Yeah, I botched that line, but that's close enough. Paraphrasing. It's okay. We'll get there. I'll we'll get, get it right for when we it's finally okay. do okay. our our mythical our matrix mythical matrix overdrinkers <laughs> overdrinkers it'll come. God, that's gonna be like a five hour episode. I feel a certain type of way about the matrix. Let me tell you. Mm. Go ask my twelve year old self. This movie has a lot of matrix stuff to it too. And, it does. Uh, have I mean, you guys seen Dark City? Yeah, I love Dark City. Dark I've not seen good. Dark City. Dark City's good. It's like this really weird <laughs> sci-fi noir. Yeah. Cabot is now doing, is hand gesturing the ending of Dark City. Yes. Well, the don't circle, spoil it. Circle the smoke c- clouds that come out of your 
your forehead when you're trying to manipulate space time. It's kind of like oh, okay. yeah, it's Got kind it. of like a Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind scanners kind of noir sci-fi Blade Runner esque kind of thing. They Is both, there? You just said a like lot of movies in a row. Holy yeah, shit. like that's kind of like what's going <laughs> okay. on there. Some were made after, some were made before. Got it. Yeah. You ever seen like, Knight's Tale? Yeah. You know, the bad guy in a knight's tale, like with the kind of lazy eye. Yeah, which eye is... Rufus is... Sewell, I think his name is. Uh-huh. He's the main character in Dark City. It's a great movie. I think I have it. I think it's a lazy eye. I think one of his eyes is like way bigger. No, I think he's got, he's got like a scar or something like on one of his eyes. So it like kind of brings... He's got kind of like a little thing. He, like, like, he just looks fucking captivating as soon as you see him. So he's good for him. So what do you guys think about Inception? Nice Never seen it. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's not as good as the second time. You guys want to start over? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can you delete this? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Overdrinkers. I'm Mike Burge, the annoying voice inside your head. Uh, today, I'm. we're talking about 2010 Inception starring Christopher Nolan. 2010. Directed by Leonardo DiCaprio. We can't do this. We've only had one vodka. We're... we're You've okay, vodka, you've, uh, tequila. tequila. <laughs> this is me pretending it's vodka because that's how much I hate tequila. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Cheers, by the way. Nice. Yeah, and that's probably bad luck. What we just did. No, I got one. Um, Michael Caine. Oh, talk- oh, oh, oh. Do you guys yeah, want there we go. Our yeah, best Michael Caine impression. I got it. We've done that so many times before. That no bit. more Michael Caine. No Wait, more. Actually, no, Cabot, why not? Really done this too many Come on, Cabot. Uh, give me, actually, give, give every single episode. Do one unless you guys do. Mine's gonna be terrible. Okay, I'll do one if you do one. Okay. Master Bruce, Master Wayne, Master Bruce. <laughs> wow, <laughs> top-notch stuff. I'm glad we had you on, Cabot. It's uh, really good. <laughs> oh man, great. okay. Who can do a really good one? Uh, Steve Coogan in the Trip. Oh God, I love the Trip movies. Those That's are my favorite part mm, of the trip. Have you seen the new one yet? Trip Spain. Is it the third one? That's the third one. No. Oh God, it's amazing. Michael Caine impression again. Michael Caine can actually course. do a really good Michael Caine impression. Have you seen that video? I failed you. Jeremy talked you about have. this on the. You have. Uh, Jeremy yeah, you talked really about have. this in the Dark Knight podcast too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, good little video. He Michael showed King us it well. afterwards. It, it guys, is very, very if good. You guys can do better. Wait, I'm all ears. I'm Michael Caine. I'm I'm Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine. I won't bury another Batman. That's all I got. I failed you. That's all I'm doing. Okay. We um, offer the mask separately. And the earpieces. What is this? That's the face not, that you're making yeah, while you do this. It. I wish everybody could see that. You're like Burma. Your, your mouth is. I'm not you gotta, you it. gotta move. You gotta like shape your mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably shouldn't have done that live, but like in my head, I thought I could do it perfectly. Yeah, it sounded perfect. That's Don't everybody thinks that they could do. They can do a Michael Caine impression perfectly, and then when they say it, they go. <laughs> you know, see, we're Michael recording Caine. proof here. Oh. Um. We, we can we, edit that out, right? Yeah, sure. Nope. Yeah, this the whole last twenty minutes. Um, we're gonna talk about the alchemist, the chemist, mm-hmm. and the the sedation. Because I think. That's, oh right. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna talk about that before the break. Yeah, that's a huge flaw. Gone. Well, the first time when they're go- when they're in reality and they need the to be sedated and get that under that that makes sense. But if you're in a subconscious dream where everything's fake anyway and made up you're making why? it real so it's just it's just mind over matter you're perception convincing yourself yeah, yeah. they're con- no they're convincing him okay convincing fisher yeah yeah and like that doesn't matter for whatever reason 
on the last their last mission the sedatives too strong if they wake up right no it's no no no. it's a new sedative they've never used that before they find an alchemist that can create a sedative that will put them under deep enough to be able to go that deep right so most sedatives they can go dream within a dream too they're like we're gonna have to go three and they're like can't be done you can't do that i know a guy classic heist movie mm-hmm. stuff like, I, I know a guy, guy can do guy. it and he's like oh it's a little dangerous but i think i can make it work and they don't leo and him don't tell anybody that because the sedative is so strong if you die in the dream you die like it'll you die. break it'll break your mind it'll break your it mind it will kill you it'll break done. your mind um yeah and that's the idea is the deeper you go into the dream the more fragile the dream space becomes where you know if if they were to do this normally they wouldn't be able to go three levels deep because like any normal weird nuance would immediately break the illusion for him which is also why it's clever that they are convincing him voluntarily that they're putting him in a dream mm-hmm. to go into the third level yeah i also the, think that's why certain things don't kick them out that normally would right there's a lot of people that say like well when the car flips over wouldn't that kick them out because right. it's like a, the car like drives off a cliff like when the when the car when the van drives off the bridge, that's supposed to be the kick, and the backup kick is when it hits the water. Mm-hmm. So when and a car flips over, wouldn't that be? There, and I think it's two, more. Two, and I think it's more subconscious that, like, they understand like that's supposed to be the kick that brings them up. Right. I don't know. Again, the more you think about it, it starts becoming it, it very starts, silly. No, the problem with the sedative is that when they're on the plane, Leo slips Killian Murphy a sleeping pill so he'll fall asleep. Yeah. So that they can sedate him for right. the dream thing. Well, because they, they need he's to... gonna be fucking dead. Well, you they can't don't know mix if he's gonna fall like that. They like we gotta hook him up to the. So thing. we have to drug him so that we can drug him again. Yeah, roofies ain't nothing compared to like this little sedative. Uh, probably not. But when you combine the two, it's probably gonna be pretty fucked up for good old Killian. You're the you're the scientist here. Yeah, and I know not to mix multiple sedatives together. But you know that you're dealing with like a sedative that doesn't exist. Who knows what this thing is? Where like you can still remain lucid. But, like, you're heavily sedated? Like, it doesn't exist. Well, your dream is lucid. Like, heavily. And when you wake up, you're not groggy. Like, none of them are groggy my after only, they wake up. My only point is, if you, the idea is that this is a heavy sedative, that even if it keeps... Even if it somehow makes your... It's a heavy sedative, but it leaves the your balance... Sense of balance inner intact. Ears, inner ear, inner, yeah. Inner, that's bullshit. <laughs> But yeah, I know that, 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 that's like yeah, the it's more all, you watch it, you're like, it's just bullshit. Well, it's but like this doesn't make any made sense. Up rule that they made for no reason, like for the movie. God, I know you probably, yeah, yeah. you probably should not. You, listen, you're not supposed to dr- mix Benadryl and alcohol. You probably shouldn't mix whatever roofie he gave Killian Murphy to make him fall asleep in five minutes, and this powerful sedative that sends you into dream hell. I mean, hey, I'm not condoning it, but Benadryl and alcohol is you're pretty not supposed fucking to lit. Benadryl and alcohol? Well, no, you're not you supposed know. to. Unless you want to have a clutch time. No, I don't have any petrol. You're also not not supposed to smoke opiates, technically, but, you know. True. Live a little. Mm -hmm. Mm. What were you saying before? I don't know. What was I saying? I don't know. You you started saying something, and I just... Are you finished me? I finished my thought, and then... Where were you going to go? Oh, about the, the waking up parts. Right. Where you need one, like... Joseph Gordon-Levitt needs uh, to hit him twice for some reason. Like hit him need, twice? Yeah. Like the first one, well, the one on the bridge when he 
he backs up off the bridge. That's the first one. And then the second one's when they land. And in the elevator... The kicks. Yeah, the kicks. Okay. And in the elevator... They have to needs, ride the kick up. He needs the first one where he puts explosives on the elevator and mm-hmm. kicks them then. Yep. And then the second one is when they're supposed to wake up. It's they ride, the kick in the, the hotel was supposed to be... They were going to blow the hotel up. Because the idea is once you start falling, like your body like realizes that you're falling and then you wake up or it's the idea of when you f- have a falling dream and you you feel yourself dropping through yeah, the air and you can feel that yeah and they do and that they stop, do that that's in when the, you wake up in like the winter wonderland one as well where it's like tom hardy's gonna blow up the 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 thing and they're all just gonna like start falling down mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense because <laughs> it's really weird because like it's all stuff that's gonna kill you and like they can't die and it's like they're like blowing it up and it's like if the elevator is going and like it yeah, crashes like it's going to kill them and it seems insinuated that the way that Cobb and Saito get out of limbo at the end is that they shoot themselves like he puts his hand on the gun and he's like oh, I remember a thing and because why else is the gun there? <laughs> The gun serves no other purpose than, like, they're going to oh, shoot themselves. What they themselves need to do is push each other over when they're sitting in the chair. Is that it? Like, I don't understand how <laughs> they're they... Back. They're making this weird thing, <laughs> like, you can't go down right, to limbo. Go, no, no, you go first. You go it's, first. It's no, unconstructed dream space. You'll never get back. You'll be Whoa. trapped down there for, for centuries. And it's like, wait, like, that, they just, like, I jump out of a building? I don't believe that that dude's been down there for, what, like, 80 years, and he hasn't, like, fallen, fallen over. over. Not once. <laughs> like tripped. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It's like it doesn't, they don't, the rules that they set up don't line up. I mean, like Ken they don't Otani, follow, he though. doesn't follow his own rules that he spends 45 minutes teaching us. And that's why it's More kind of like, like two ridiculous. Hours. That's why it falls apart when you watch it again. Right. Because it's so like literal and expo- uh, exposition heavy, but then kind of it falls apart. He does such a good job setting up all those rules so rigidly that as soon as you start to see kind of the the fringes of those rules being applied. It all kind of falls apart. But again, like the reason that it was so successful and re- received so well in the first place is because he does such an explicit job setting up those those rules. Like so, you said for a wider audience, right. you can have this like cerebral, nonlinear kind of brainy movie force fed to you and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And around that, there's good acting it looks really good that awesome hallway sound yeah there's some really cool practical effects that shit looks great i don't care it's because it's a practical effect it just looks oh i mean everything in this is like practically practically everything in this is practical effects like i love how they when he's talking to him in the hotel and the the the, all the glasses that are up on the the hooks like start start to lean and the water starts to lean and there's like this there's that sensibility where like your eyes no matter how much no matter how real something looks, the human eye can tell if it's not real. Mm-hmm. And when it is real, it's just way more believable and it just brings you into the movie more. Yeah, it's called the uncanny valley. Right. And that's like when when he when, when Christopher Nolan flips that truck in the dark night, like they linger on that shot and just like pull back and let you see it uh, far less intimately than you usually would be in some kind of like CGI car crash explosion right because they try to obscure it to it yeah they try to obscure it because they know it's not real and the longer you look at it the less real it's going to look right so when you do something real real, you can can really shoot it in the hallway is the hallway scene he's talking about is when they the hallway is like they're kind of like flipping around and because there's like no gravity yeah they built it because it's after the the truck goes off the bridge and they're floating 
in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And Joseph yeah, Gordon-Levitt's yeah, yeah. fighting that guy like in the hallway. You know how the they? Hotel. You know how they did that? Yeah. Yeah. You want to explain how they did that? Uh, the, I mean, they essentially uh, they built, built like a cylindrical hallway that yeah. they had like rotating, and like I guess it's wires. No, they they had a they had a uh, the hallway set was built on this thing that that rotates, and the camera is uh, gripped to that, so the camera is completely standing is going with uh, you know the it's really weird to like try and word it. It's hard to do this in audio it, format. Yeah, but it's like they um, they attach the camera to it. So as the room is turning, the camera is turning spe- precisely with the room. So the actors are, you know, they're obviously following the laws of gravity. Like a hamster ball. Right. Like a hamster ball. Like and they a, are moving uh, around it. And, the yeah. 2001 Space Odyssey scene. It's yeah, exactly yeah. that. Only they did it on a scale where they would go... Um, where they bring depth into it, where like they're going in and they're moving out, and the camera can dolly in and dolly out. It can move in and out. Whereas uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, it's pretty much just like one standard set shot, and they pretty much had a dude on a hamster wheel just kind of mm-hmm. walking that thing. And they do it like they they hooked up like a lot. Most of the hotel room is kind of messed around with that. Like uh-huh. they have the hotel the hotel itself, the hotel room, the hotel hallway, um, the bar that they're in because that's how they do the they whole shifted the, the wine glasses. glasses. Yep. Like that's that shit. It's, the hotel part is the best part of the movie. Like when they're in that hotel, you're just like, "This is fucking." It's pretty. This cool. is fucking great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's a cool movie. It's a fun it's movie. A cool movie. It's a cool movie. But I get the backlash, and I think more right. so than ever, like watching it again this time and thinking about doing this show in the context of watching that movie, putting myself in the mindset of like thinking about how you have. You know, the initial critical reception and, and like, you know, widespread reception of, like, this is such a cool movie. This movie's great. I felt the same way. And then, like, a month or two later, you start to see people, like, Inception's not a smart movie. The movie's just stupid. And well, it's I mean, like, it makes... It's, it's, it's way that, more cooler than it is smart. Right. It sucks that it was and it has a advertised great, as such a smart movie. We've talked about this before, where it was, wait, like... Well, we talk about it with Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar and Interception were both, like, they were, smart, like, it's a smart movie, like, oh, you're gonna have to see it twice, or, like, oh, they had actual scientists come on, and it's, like, let me be the judge, let the audience be the judge of that, no, and it's just a marketing... It's marketing to wider audiences, yeah. because the real message is, this is a smarter movie than you're used to but mm-hmm. still one that you'll be able to enjoy it's very clear Absolutely. it's not like Mulholland Drive or Lost Highway which deal with a lot of similar things about like, right. what's real and but what's the, those are like you know schma movies it, uh, but the difference between way more gray area those movie movies too. like this is the difference between those movies and this movie is you really have to engage with those movies the same thing with Primer or any like really like heavy heady movie is like you need to participate you need to actively be thinking about it and try to actually decipher what it's what's going on because it's not going to give it to you mm. in the way that this movie just hands it all to it like fucking gifts wrap gift wraps all of it mm-hmm. and that's why it works for a wider audience because it does do that and it is dealing with you know deeper ideas or or more high concept ideas than most heist thrillers it's a lot what we've been talking about like recently with like it comes at night and mother yes that get these marketing campaigns that like push it towards a wider audience and a wider audience goes to see it and they're like wait i have to what yeah why do i have to do something right Right. now and it's inception is the kind of movie where it's like we're going to give you these heady ideas but we're also going to give you all of the exposition and all the explanation and the setup that you're going to need to be able to rationalize it and then at the end we're going to end it on one of these classic 
what does it all mean questions sure. and wider audiences weren't really used to being kind of thrown that curveball. We're like, wait, I'm supposed to, it's the end of the movie, tie it up with a bow. I'm right. supposed to know what's going on. So it became this kind of cultural thing where everybody was like, can you believe that? And then again, the more you watch it, it's like, wait, but that, that part there doesn't make sense. And wait, no, you said that earlier, but then you do this and this, and that doesn't follow that rule. Which I guess means that it's all a dream, right? Like, if it's so silly, that just... The movie's a masterpiece if it's all a dream. Well, Because then there's no rules. When you, when you really think about it, like, the idea of Leonardo DiCaprio being chased by this, like, shadowy organization throughout the movie and, like, some of the, like, stunts that go on in the quote-unquote real world, like, the top-level world that he starts in, like, some of that is pretty far-fetched as well. I mean, you could just chalk that up to, like, sci-fi thriller sort of storytelling, but, like the more you think about that stuff too, it kind of breaks down a yes. little bit. And that would be kind of a, an argument towards all this is a dream, but that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, no, it, it doesn't it, matter. Again, like, like that's at the end of the day, like it's, it's very apparent that Christopher Nolan was like, it doesn't matter if it's a dream. That's why I, that's why it's ended that way is where it's like our main character has, has his arc has finished and he has come out at the end of the movie uh, better than when we were introduced to him in the beginning, mm-hmm. and this is and this is him, and this is his version of a happy ending, whether it's real or not. Right. This is what he wants. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's real, and he throws that question in there just to make you ponder about it because the movie is filled with these these heady themes that you should ponder and you should think about. Well, it's also a little bit if you want to talk about go tie this back into the prestige. It's a little bit like check out what's going on in my left hand, ambiguous ending versus in my right hand where I'm like, all this stuff is kind of falling apart. Right. So he's basically just saying it's pointless to even think about if it's real or not. Cabot, yeah. everything is pointless. Yeah, it's, it's, it just doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I think well, that top fucking falls, though. It's like about to fall. Yeah, it's like about to fall. What top falls little and then comes back up? Spins well, Have you heard the whole thing, real quick before we start to wrap this up, have you heard the whole... Uh, the top actually isn't his totem. Like it's his wedding ring is the totem. I was thinking about that when I was watching. I was like, why wouldn't you make Dude, your like wedding they, ring the totem? They fucking Be- really well, no 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 no. They really point out photo? that he's got the ring yeah. in scenes, and then they deliberately hide it in the last scene. Like where have you heard Jack? Have you heard this or, or not, for actually. us or for people that haven't? The idea is that uh, the the top was Maul's totem. Which we know that it is, and that it wouldn't work for Leo. And no, hang on. The wedding, and that the wedding ring is the marker of when he's in a dream, when he's not. Because when he's in the dreams that we know for a fact that those are dreams, he's wearing a wedding ring. And when he's in the scenes that we're told are not dreams, he's not. And in the last scene, you cannot see, you can't quite make out his left ring finger to see if it's on there or not, so you can't tell. It doesn't really feel like he's trying to trick you or anything. It doesn't, but like there are shots like where his where Leo's hand is deliberately doing something that like he didn't need to be doing that just so it's in the shot so you can see that he's got the ring. Like I was the I heard the theory after the last time I'd seen the movie and watching it for this podcast, I deliberately checked and I wanted to see where it was. And it's like forceful. When you're looking for it, which I guess could be anything, and maybe it's my own mind, like, putting that on there. But 
it seems like there's something going on there, but I think that's more supposed to be like in this in his subconscious he he hasn't let go. It's part of that whole guilt grief thing that he has that he hasn't let go of the fact that he killed his wife. Yeah. There's a close up when they grow old together in the limbo place where they it's just a close up of their hands, holding hands they both have their wedding rings, mm-hmm. their wedding bands. The totem Maul's totem would work as a totem for him because the only reason that any of the characters are not when they show Joseph Gordon-Levitt is not willing to give it to Ellen Page mm-hmm. it's because Ellen Page is going to be constructing these dreams you can't share your totem with someone who might be constructing your dream mm-hmm. Maul's dead right. she's never going to make a dream I guess so true. then it but wouldn't I mean, matter too, it's like the dice what was his totem before when that was Maul's though he must have had another one that's the whole thing is the idea that the, his wedding ring was his totem before. It was actually like, that's um, the theory. A, uh, a Ninja Turtles pog mm. slammer. Mm. Uh, J- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's totem, as we're seeing, is a, a is a loaded die. And he's the only one that knows how it, how, how it weighs and how it feels and what it will go down to. Uh, Ellen Page constructs her own by de-weighting a uh, queen chess piece and knows that it will knock over on a certain side. Everybody knows that a top stops spinning. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a pretty shitty totem. Yeah. No, but the compared idea to like the it, rules that we're like given, the, it's a good it, it, it's a good visual like and I understand the rules of it and it works very well. But again, when you start to think about it, we're given these rules. We're shown the die and explain that it's loaded. I can't let you touch it. We're shown her de-weighting a We don't see Tom Hardy's totem, do we? No, I think those are the only two that we see, right? The only three. We see the mm-hmm. we see the top, we see the chest piece, and we see the die. It'd Tom be a Hardy little... probably has a fucking awesome totem. Hell yeah. Oh, God, that's right. I would love to know. What do you that's... think Tom Hardy's totem oh, is? Man. What about Ken Watanabe's? He wouldn't have one because he's not a professional. Mm-hmm. He's a tourist. They're like, you're just, he's a tourist. Yeah, he's he's a tourist. just going on in. Yeah. So who's the other one that would have one? Oh, I got When they're on the plane, he's like the main competitor of that energy company that Fisher has, right? That's what... Ken Watanabe? That's the whole... Yeah, that's the trying to like break up. He wants to break up his competitor. Yeah, and they're right there on the plane next to each other, and they they don't recognize. I thought about that too. Yeah, I was like, dude, like he's right there. He's you guys. That's the dude that like owns the other thing that you do. (laughs) He clearly had a newspaper up to his face. (laughs) Right, he was whistling away, and and at the end of the movie, he's got much bigger things on his mind. Right, right. Okay, he just had a really weird dream. Killian Murphy just woke up and was like, "Fuck." Would you like a hot towel? What was towel? in that water? And by the way, I think it's really funny when Leonardo DiCaprio spikes uh, Killian Murphy's drink. They're both drinking just like iced water on this iced plane. Water, and they're yeah. like cheers each other with fucking iced water. That's bad luck. <laughs> that is bad luck. Is it sparkling water though? Because like they're rich. He just says water. He says water, but would not it, would it be sparkling water? Because they're like, oh, you're rich. so No, because they would have asked. It probably came true. out of a decanter. Did I say tap? Like he throw it against the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. That about does it. I wanted to drop off on this one last little bit. We didn't talk about one of the actors in the movie. Pete Postlewaite plays... Uh, the snitch in the beginning? Nope. He plays uh, Fisher's dad. Very oh, yeah, small yeah, yeah, yeah. part. But we all know that actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James and the Giant Peach, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, Lost World. He's the he's the the, the hunter that wants to uh-huh. do my job. That kind of guy. 
This was one of this was like his last movie. I think he had like one more movie after he had the town. Uh, uh ben, ben Affleck's, Affleck's the, the town. town. He was in that. That was his last movie. This was like his second to last movie. And he's like one of those character actors where everybody knows his face. Whenever you see him, you're like, he's that guy, like that whole thing. Hey, it's that guy. Yeah. And it's I I was watching it this time and I completely forgot that he was the dad. And this is the first time that I've watched this movie since he mm-hmm. passed away. He basically has no lines. Yeah, I mean, but he's got the big one at the end yeah, where yeah. it's just like, how are they going to twist this? How are they going to turn this? How are they going to make this a positive thing that will enforce change? And he's got that line like, disappointed. I know, Dad, you were disappointed. I was like, you were disappointed that I couldn't be like you. And he's got that, no. No. Mm-hmm. Disappointed. Mm-hmm. That you tried. Uh-huh. It's a good. It's a good. Like it got me going I, because no, I, this is the first time I've seen the movie since he did pass away, and it was like he's one of those actors that you kind of take him for granted. He's there, and he's in all these movies, and he's phenomenal in every movie that he's in. He's in a bunch of shitty movies, mm-hmm. but his performance in all of them. He's the uh, he's the 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 priest that marries Romeo and Juliet in um, the the Leonardo DiCaprio Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann one. Oh, that's they work together, and it's just like. Motherfucking shit. He's amazing, and I just wanted to give him a shout out on this. I, but I think to that he's got point, a great mustache too. He's good. He's he does great mustache. I think to like go a little deeper on that point. For as much as we harp on the intricacies of the sci-fi dream state kind of world, for as much as they don't work, I think the actual like, and we talk about Nolan being kind of cold. I do think like the actual story of leo and maul and like the relationship they have and leo dealing with his grief and killian murphy dealing with this idea that he is a disappointment to his father and dealing with his father's the relationship with his father like that stuff does hold up i think Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. that stuff does work well and both those are good like that's a good mirror to uh you know it's it's a it's a father it's a child reconciling with his father mirrored with Leo's as a father reconciling with his children. Well, there less is his that children, but yeah, a little he, bit. He's trying, I mean, he's trying to, like, the reason he can't get back is is because of his wife. And right. metaphorically, it's really the guilt and the grief that he feels that will not allow him to even attempt. You know, he's like, I can't go back there. They'll just fucking arrest me. And right. I, I think that there is, like, this this kind of balance going on there that's kind of, you know, I I think I was just kind of a little bit more emotionally invested in this recent rewatch with it where I was kind of picking up on that more. Mm -hmm. And as I try to recollect it, I'm like, ah, I was probably reaching a little bit there. But I I think that it's it's kind of because you you watch the movie and it's just so fucking silly, but it entertains you. So you're like, there's got to be something about this and every time, like, somebody says a line that you're like, that's one of the most ridiculous lines I've ever fucking heard. You want to be able to back it up in some way because you really are enjoying everything that you're seeing. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, like because... if, if it wasn't paced like that and had such a good score, it's like even a little less, it would be so fucking silly. Well, I mean, Chris, I mean, it is a silly fucking... movie. Chris Nolan is a very, very good director. That's it. Like he, it's a very stylish movie, he's and it okay. all yeah. it all works because he's very talented in creating a space that is very visually gorgeous. The acting is great. The world building is, you know, it's it's flawed, but it's interesting at least. Mm-hmm. 
you know, all that comes together. And even if you really look at the plot under a magnifying glass, it's a little bit silly. It all works, at least at first blush. I mean, it, it just, it's, it's a cool space to inhabit and it's a fun ride to go on for sure. It's a fun ride. And again, it's like one of those movies that you don't, it doesn't have great rewatch value, but it's got, you can revisit it like once every like three or four years. It's got style. You just check it out and you're like, hey. Hey. All right. This is a, this is a good time. It's got style. That's it's a got great style. way to, yeah. yeah. It's like cool because it's got style. It's fucking cool. I mean, especially Joseph Gordon-Levitt cool. cool. and, and Tom Hardy. They're are fucking cool. cool. Is there like a shipper thing going on with them? I briefly saw something about that while I was uh, a what look, a shipper mm. um, audiences have said that there is a relationship going on between not that there is but they would like to see one between Tom Hardy and JGL's character in this I probably watched and that's Tom why Hardy they're constantly they, like a little brotherly <laughs> they really do yeah I and I actually I think that Tom Hardy's character, because of like the whole actor persona that he's like throwing like a little Brando in there and all that kind of stuff. He's a little bit flamboyant. Yeah, flamboyant in the sense of like this kind of just like extravagant way. Yeah. Where I was just like, is he gay? Is that what they're kind of getting at? I don't think that really matters. It doesn't really matter at all. But that's what I was thinking when I saw the shipper thing. I was like, wait, had some people picked up on that flamboyancy and considered that? I mean, they're both a sexual orientation and then been like, well, JGL. I mean, like, JGL, like, steals, like, the like, creepiest of kisses from Ellen Page. It's the least sexual movie ever. Yeah, well, well. you're not wrong. <laughs> Is there any? There's there no really is There's, like, the hot girl Tom Hardy turns into to talk to Killian Murphy for a second. Who looks just... She is somebody, too. About, I think she's about, been in some stuff. Talk about the Uncanny Valley. Something about looking... No offense to that actress, but something about, like, just her whole vibe going on in that movie. It's like... You don't look like a real person. You look like a hologram. Yeah, you, look, you don't look you real. Look, yeah. You look like a projection of you Tom look, Hardy's exactly, mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're the woman in the red dress for Tom Hardy. Speaking of which, too, I guess we'll just end this with like Mad Max 2, right? We can't wait. I was going to say, where's Brokeback Mountain 2 with uh, Tom Hardy and Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Hey. How about that? You can't do Brokeback Mountain 2. Okay. Broke Foot Mountain. I don't, whatever. Think of the movies that were related to this i was trying to make someone when you asked me to do it I, the only ones i could think about were inner space and inside out which are both great movies and i recommend those two inner space is like a, it, it actually is i was gonna make fun of you for it and then i started thinking about it <laughs> inner space looks a lot like this movie inner space, or rather inception looks a lot like inner space shrink him he goes inside yeah there's not much about the subconscious in there. There's a lot of eternal sunshine and the spotless mind in this yes. movie too that I don't think a lot of people point out. That there's like the surrealism and internal sunshine where that's what fucking dreams that's how we remember dreams and how they felt like. Mm-hmm. This kind of skippy skip. Uh Inception is kind of more like, all right, well now we need to do this in a way that we can have this kind of narrative that again, wider audiences can understand it's an action movie it's a summer spectacle it's right. being released in july i mean the matrix is super similar they basically were just yeah. making matrixes matrix what... dark city eternal sunshine and the spotless mind inner space dark city is a little weird though that's like more like dark city's creation. weird but there is some like there's some shit in there there's some shit in dark city that's yeah this is directly from that i'm gonna have to see that movie i guess huh? dark city is great i'll lend you my copy all right wow. All right, well, uh, I think that that's pretty good, unless you guys have anything else at all that you wanted to 
get on out there that you were sitting on? Thorn Mark Kern. It's terrible. Yeah, I can't really follow that up, can I? <laughs> I'm good, I think. You good? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I guess uh, I like this movie and can recommend it. I recommend <laughs> this we movie. Turn you on this movie? Can we turn you on? I can recommend this movie. Listen, if you haven't seen, listen, if you haven't seen Inception, probably definitely go, see. Probably it. go watch Inception. Oh yeah, definitely see Inception. Also, if you haven't seen Inception and you're two hours into this Inception <laughs> podcast, we just ruined everything what are for you. Do it. You are still gonna kind of dig it because it looks amazing. It's a very good looking. movie. It looks really good. Um, so thank you again for listening to our episode. Uh, you can find more over drinkers episodes on story screen presents, uh, podcast. Uh, it's on any podcast that you can find anywhere. It's on SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple podcast. Uh, you can also find a bunch of more podcasts and some articles and reviews at storyscreenbeacon.com. And, uh, please, uh, like comment, subscribe, share with your friends. If they're also nerds and are into movies too, um, if they're into listening to podcasts that are generally just about the length of the movie that the podcast is about. Yeah, you know, like if you really like something, you got to go for it. And if you're going to consume a product, don't you want it to be a good one? And if you're going to make a product, don't you want it to be a great one? Wow. And wow. speaking, actually, no, speaking directly to that, uh, oh, any go. of our listeners, if you guys would like to be on an episode of Overdrinkers, that's how this show works. People can contact us, and we would love to have you on and talk about a movie that you would love to talk about. So comment, get in touch with us, let us know what's up. Cabot did it. How did it work for you, Cabot? How was your first podcast? I don't know how this happened. It was great. I'm having a great time. It's good, I think Tom Hardy's totem would be like a cool coin that he flips. Yeah. No, no, a poker chip. Poker chip. A poker chip. Wait, he was messing around with poker chips, too. He was. Yeah. He had one poker chip in particular that That he was messing around with. He's like, it's no, he was rubbing two together. And he's like, they're not going to, they're not going to breed or multiply. Yeah, what does he say? Does he say like, like you never know or whatever? He's like, oh, you never know. Yeah. What about Kim Watanabe? And one more thing. (laughs) Release me. (laughs) Thank you guys again so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Go ahead, lay it on me. Nice. Yo, fuck Inception. Say something cool, Cabot. Fuck Inception. You looking forward to Stranger Things too? Yeah, I am. Also Cult of Chucky. You guys uh, like that new Mr. Robot? Yes. Hell yeah. You guys ever seen The Scorpion King? Yeah. It's fun.